G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Coming up today on The Story. So we got to Panama and then I was invited to stay and help this ship establish some mission in the Caribbean. So I spent most of 2018 in Commonwealth of Dominica and we provided an eye surgery outreach and some dental care and some primary health care. But in, in the course of doing all of that, we also ended up in the Virgin Islands for a while. And, you know, the Lord provided all the way through. For every time we had a need, He provided what we needed. The Story. The story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, our guest today is once again Jared Waipori, who says, if you're not living an adventure, you're not living. As we heard last time, Jared was born and raised in Christchurch, New Zealand, but then went to the North Island to attend discipleship training school with Youth with a Mission, or YWAM. This was all in preparation for the big adventures that God had in store for him, which we're going to hear about today. Once again, Jared is chatting with Eric Scatterbo and is joining us from his home in the South Pacific Island nation of Vanuatu. Jared, welcome back to the program. It's great to be back. Glad to have you with us. And of course, we're talking about all these adventures that you're going to have. But actually, last time you didn't have much of an adventure. You were pretty much born and raised in Christ Church. And the only adventure you had was going from the South Island to the North Island for discipleship training school with Youth with a Mission. Is that right? That's right. It didn't feel like a great big adventure yet. Yeah, yeah. So we promised people an adventure. We got to get to that adventure there, Jared. Oh, yeah, it's coming. The first one was was really in understanding how the ways of God work. So more of an adventure inside your heart, I guess you could say. In a lot of ways. It was an adventure of changing my mindset. Mm -hmm. We had this teacher who took us on this exercise in hearing the Lord's voice. And just very, very briefly, you know, it's not necessarily about her booming voice or some handwriting on a wall necessarily, Mm -hmm. uh, but for a lot of us, it was about, you know, pictures and impression from the Lord. And and what happened is I started to get these little inside my mind pictures of trucks and tractors and boats and bulldozers and a sense of the Lord inspiring me to do ministry to remote parts of desert places and remote communities all over. Uh, largely related to trucks and, and, and machines because, of course, I'd come from machinery world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember walking up the path one afternoon saying to the Lord, Lord, I feel like I'm making this up because these are all things that I really enjoy. And I felt a sense of him responding to me saying, have you ever considered that I gave you the passions you have so that you can use them for my glory? Mm. Yeah, And that totally transformed how I thought about the things I enjoy. Because no longer did I have to feel guilty because I like fixing things and I like cool trucks and big cars and things like that. No longer did I necessarily have to feel guilty because if the Lord was inviting me to use those for his ministry, then yeah, how could that be a bad thing? Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, you have these passions. And of course, if these are good passions, over time you know that the Lord probably put those passions in your heart in the first place. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I sort of got to the sense of realizing that 
you know, whether you like a truck or not, it's quite neutral. But if the Lord is starting to move your heart, yeah. that affinity toward trucks could turn into something that really ministers to some people. Mm-hmm. So yep. anyway, I, I had this change of mindset, and then we went off and we did our little Fiji thing. But inside of that whole process, our leadership had come to me and said, Jared, would you stay with us for a little longer? We see your skills, and we'd love you to help us with maintaining this property that we've built. Uh, they'd just built a brand new training for center and they mm-hmm. built it on this old farmland and there was an orchard and some trees and a lot of very long grass. And, and I prayed. And during that time, there'd been this word that the Lord had spoken to me that it was the one clear thing. And it had been spoken over me as a prophecy by one of our teachers. And the, the word was, you are a doer and I want you to learn how to be. And it was about moving from a task-oriented mindset to a mindset of being in relationship with the Lord and allowing Mm. what I do to flow out of that rather than flowing from I have a list of things that I need to achieve. So the conversation became this question of do I return to the church and the youth ministry that I was already engaged in or do I stay and and do this thing where I can't actually define what it's going to look like or what it's going to be? And it became a question of the Lord is asking me to learn how to be which context is going to facilitate that most. And that context, ultimately, I ended up deciding to stay with Marine Reach at this uh, training facility in Tauranga. And I spent the year and a half following, not leaving the country, not going on big adventures that changed the world, but mowing lawns and grading metal roads down into a valley and cutting gorse and, and cutting down trees that needed to be moved and oiling automatic door closers. Yeah, not exactly <laughs> what one would think of when they think of an adventure for the Lord. No, they wouldn't. But the, you know, the irony was that whole time I was fixing all these broken machines because as a ministry, we didn't have huge amounts of cash to spend on new machines, but we did have these old machines that had a lot of wear and tear going on. So I was cutting the grass and then spending a couple of days fixing the grass cutter, things <laughs> like that. So you were still having uh, your fun, your enjoyment in fixing mechanical things. Oh, yeah. And I learned that cutting trees down with a chainsaw is an awful lot of fun as well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you unexpectedly extended your time in the Northern Ireland with Marine Reach. That's the ministry that you were with? Yes. And then what happened? Yes, I did. By this stage, I'd been there for two years. Near the end of the second year, I was invited to return as a part of their training staff. And that was the staff who run the discipleship training schools, which I agreed to do. So my role changed. I stopped mowing the lawns and started managing uh, this little fleet of four vans that we had and started walking the discipleship journey alongside some of our uh, new students. And during that year, I still hadn't left my country, but an invitation came and I was invited to join this team of Maori to travel to Brazil and attend this indigenous evangelism conference up in the resort town of Chapara dos Guimarães. And I was invited to go. I needed to raise the money. Because, of course, in the Youth with a Mission world, those of us who are on staff, we, we don't draw a salary from Youth with a Mission. We invite people who believe in what we're doing to support us directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we trust the Lord to provide for our living expenses. Mm-hmm. So I was at the stage where I had just enough to cover my food and uh, accommodation costs there in Tauranga. 
And then I was invited to join this team and we were going to need to spend two and a half thousand dollars to fly across the ocean to Brazil, which was two and a half thousand dollars more than I had. Yeah. And as I prayed, I really had a sense that the Lord was saying I should be going on this trip, despite the fact that I don't have a huge amount of cultural understanding of Maori culture. I don't, I have cultural heritage in Maori, but I don't speak the language. I don't know a lot of the uh, ins and outs of it. Yeah, I was going to say your surname is Waipori, so that that is your yes. heritage, Maori heritage. Yeah. Yes, I have Maori heritage, English mm-hmm. heritage, and Scottish heritage. And the Maori heritage, although it's actually quite strong, we grew up in a largely uh, English-speaking context, and so we didn't have a lot of experience in Maori cultural identity. But I was at the stage where I'd heard the sense of the Lord calling me to go on this trip to Brazil, and I knew that he was asking me to, but I had no money. And there's a couple that live at the Marine Reach Centre, and they are Komatoa, they're Maori elders for that region, and they were also previously Marine Reach staff. And I sort of developed this connection with them, and I was telling them about this opportunity to go to Brazil. And they came back to me and handed me this check, and they said, this is seed money. It wasn't a lot, but it was seed money. Mm Mm-hmm for this trip to Brazil. And over the next few weeks, I saw a little bit come in, the Lord provided from this person and this person to the point where I had maybe $300. But that was not even close to covering the cost of flying over there, much less what it was going to cost once we got there. And so one morning, this is a Friday morning in the middle of winter, and I'm up in, in our ministry office lighting the wood fire and having my quiet time, and as I'm finishing my quiet time, I did the foolish thing, and it is foolish because we shouldn't test the Lord necessarily, but I said to him, Lord, if you're really calling me to go to this trip in Brazil, would you provide $1,000 by the end of the day? And then I walked away, and that was the end of my devotions, and, you know, a little bit of a scary end to it, really, because what happens if he doesn't provide, right? (laughs) I check my emails, and there's an email from a friend who says to me, We've just sent some money to help you with the Brazil trip. Let us know when it arrives. And I thought, well, that's going to arrive on Monday or Tuesday because it's now Friday and they're overseas. And I carry on with my day. Mm -hmm. A little after lunchtime, I'm walking past a different office and our accounts lady sees me going past and calls my name and says, some money has arrived for you. And I went, how much? And she said, you better come and have a look. And I look at the screen And remember how it said, God, if you can provide $1,000 by the end of the day? Mm -hmm. Well, that one donation was $2,500. Oh, my goodness. And my reaction involved yelling and jumping around (laughs) and giving giving our cook a heart attack (laughs) because I was running around going, I'm going to Brazil, I'm going to Brazil. There was no doubt that that was the Lord's timing and that the Lord had provided. And that was... One of those moments where you go, okay, I may not be the most qualified person to go on this trip, Mm -hmm. but he invited me, and I said yes, and he's provided. So I went. So he obviously wanted you there. He did, and he kept on providing to the point where during the trip I had more than I needed for myself. So the extra money was able to help cover the costs of some of the other team members because we had flights around Brazil and a few bus rides and food to eat and all of that stuff. So it was a a real sense of you've been serving in this ministry for two years and now I'm releasing you. 
You're listening to The Story. Today, Eric Scadabo is once again chatting with Jared Waipori, who's joining us from his home in the South Pacific Island nation of Vanuatu. As we're hearing, Jared's sharing about how God has been working in his life and leading him to new adventures. Next, we'll hear about more of his travels, including one trip to the other side of the world in a ship. All that and more when we return. The Story If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Our guest today is once again Jared Waipori, who's sharing his adventurous life story. Before the break, we heard how God provided for his trip to Brazil. Now we'll find out what happened next in his life as his ministry adventures continue. So I went off to Brazil. That was only 10 days. Came back and I was staff on this uh, discipleship training school. And uh, we'd concluded that the Lord was leading us to go to Vanuatu on outreach. Mm -hmm. And so our director turned around and said, look, we want you to go over there. We haven't sent a team on discipleship training school to Vanuatu in a long time. So we'd like you to go over and just sort of figure out where to sleep and what to do and all of that. So a few weeks after coming back from Brazil, I'm on a plane to Vanuatu and I landed here and this YOM guy said, you can come and stay at my place. I didn't realize at the time, but he was one of the founders of Youth With A Mission in Vanuatu. Mm -hmm. So I went back picked up my team from New Zealand, and we returned to Vanuatu. We spent three weeks on Tana, and Tana is, a, is amazing. It's got a volcano. It's got indigenous people who live their custom lifestyle with nothing but a little bit of grass covering their uh, private parts. Hmm. And we went all around this island giving eye care and, and trying to arrange for eye surgeries for people who had cataracts. It was an incredible experience. And then from Tana, this wild, wild island with a volcano in the middle, we went to Port Vila and moved to this YWAM base, this youth with a mission facility, which is overstating it on a big scale. The following four weeks were spent bathing in the river and carrying water from the river up to the house to do the dishes and to do our laundry. The building that was there was literally four walls. Mm. Um, it had a locking front door, but uh, we didn't have a kitchen. So we were cooking on this gas stove outside. and um, So I get to the end of this two-month experience in Vanuatu with this idea that I'm now going to go off and set up a ministry using trucks to reach remote parts of other countries. But the Lord had sort of gotten Vanuatu under my skin while I was there. And I had this feeling when I got back to New Zealand that I was going to be back in Vanuatu and that I needed to stay connected with all that the Lord was doing in the country. So it wasn't particularly surprising in the following few months when our directors at Marine Reach asked me to stick around a little longer and then asked me to go to Vanuatu and set up a hospitality centre for our outreach teams and to start organising outreaches for a medical ship. And then what happened? Well, I moved to Vanuatu. And I moved to a country where I'd been there for two months previously. So I sort of kind of understood a little bit. But it was a daunting experience going from 
New Zealand and what was really, really very familiar to me by then to this whole new country. And so I moved into this house in Port Vila City and proceeded to set it up to host outreach teams. And, and the first team came a, a couple of weeks later and we built water tanks. We went to villages that had not enough rainwater storage and taught the communities how to build these concrete water tanks. And we started doing things that seemed like they would really help the community. And that was what my life consisted of for the next two years. I spent time cooking for outreach teams and driving them around and making sure that they were equipped to serve the nation and to disciple the nation as best you can when you're on a short-term outreach. And I discovered in the process that I actually enjoy cooking for a lot of people <laughs> and that I enjoyed arranging things. Mm. But one of the things I mentioned just previously is that Marine Reach had purchased this ship. In 2013, they bought this ship and sailed it to New Zealand. And one of the tasks that I was asked to achieve while I was in Vanuatu was to prepare for this ship to come and help to organize outreaches. And I started to do that. And by 2015, the ship was in the country and we'd organized this outreach program where the ship sailed to one of the very remote parts of the country, which had no airport and very limited road connections. And we provided eyeglasses and dental care and primary health care. Yeah, I, this was your dream. This was kind of your thinking all the way back into your childhood about uh, ship ministry. Oh, yeah. Is that right? Absolutely. So five years down the track, I'm finally getting to do what I felt that I was supposed to be doing in the first place. Mm -hmm. So my job entailed going to the remote place before the ship went to the remote place to serve the remote place. So I would spend months at a time figuring out which islands we thought we needed to go to and then flying to the nearest airport and getting in a boat or on a truck and going to these communities that are coastal but very hard to get to to figure out, okay, how many people are here? Do they need dental care? Do they need a doctor? Do they need eye care? Can the ship actually stop here? And then I'd come back to town, back to Port Vila, and sit in the office for a couple of days and, and put all this information together and provide it back to our New Zealand guys who looked after the ship during cyclone season and say, okay, this is what I think we should do. So the ship would come here at the end of the cyclone season and I'd jump on. And then all these things that I thought we should do, I had the privilege of helping the ship do them wow. for the couple of years that it was working here. Wow, that had to be very gratifying to know that you're helping all these people. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. There were times when we were delivering water because there'd been drought for weeks and no one had water and the ship was equipped with a water maker that could deliver enough drinking water for thousands of people. And there was one incident where a cyclone arrived at a time where there shouldn't have been one. So we had to rush away from the cyclone and we ended up in Fiji but the fun part was that the World Health Organization had a bunch of supplies that they wanted to send to Vanuatu and we just happened to be there. So we said, look, we'll carry these supplies back if you'd like and we can even distribute them. So we turned around and happened to be one of the first three ships to respond after Cyclone Donna in 2017. Wow. We visited these very, very remote northern islands delivering health care and, and drinking water and just basically showing them that people care after yeah. a massive cyclone event. That's wonderful. It was, it was huge. We saw the Lord move in amazing ways. 
Unfortunately, we're running out of time, but we want to hear about your trip to the Caribbean. And then also on a personal level, there is a uh, development in your personal life we want to talk about. Yes. At the end of 2017, the Ministry of Marine Reach felt that the ship needed to be moved. Uh, and so we were asked to relocate it to the Caribbean. And I had the privilege of being on that trip. So we sailed from Vanuatu to Fiji and then on from Fiji, we spent 28 days at sea sailing from Fiji to Panama, which uh, once you get out into the middle of the ocean when you're thousands of miles from the nearest piece of land, it really helps you to sort of realize how amazing our God is and, and how amazing mm. this planet is. But we got to Panama and I had the privilege of being one of the people to actually steer the ship as we went through the Panama Canal, which oh, wow. for all the listeners who haven't been there, it's a pretty incredible experience. If you yeah. ever have an opportunity to get, get to Panama, even just to stand on the edge, that canal is an amazing piece of engineering. Yeah. So we got to Panama and then I was invited to stay and help the ship establish some mission in, in the Caribbean. So I spent most of 2018 in Commonwealth of Dominica uh, and we provided an eye surgery outreach and some dental care and some primary health care. But in, in the course of doing all of that, we also ended up in the Virgin Islands for a while and mm -hmm. had a few adventures flying around the world in the wrong direction. Um, <laughs> but the Lord, you know, the Lord provided all the way through. For every time we had a need, he provided what we needed. But Vanuatu was on your mind, is that oh. right? It was on my mind and in my heart. And the fact that we'd taken this ship and removed it made me realize that we needed more ships in the Pacific. Mm -hmm. This ship was good, but we needed at least two more. So I, I had this sense that I needed to return to Vanuatu and that I needed to put the call out for yacht owners and for other small vessels to come and to start serving these remote communities, not just in Vanuatu, but also the Solomon Islands and in Papua New Guinea, where we have so many language groups and so many little communities that are coastal, but very difficult to get to because there's no roads and no airports. At the end of 2018, I said a tearful goodbye to Pacific Hope. That mm -hmm. was the ship, the motor vessel Pacific Hope. I said goodbye and finally returned to Vanuatu. That's right. And finally, let's talk about how romance enters into your life. Oh, well, I'd arrived and I joined V2 Life, this, this ministry that my friend Roger had started. And there were some other staff with us. And one of them was away in Egypt at the time. She was at a school of biblical studies, which is a nine-month intensive. It's an amazing study. But during my time in the Caribbean, the Lord had really been working in me and changing my attitude towards uh, pursuing relationships. And so as people started dropping hints, I started to listen to those hints. And my friend Roger and his wife had started dropping hints that, hey, you know Joyce, who's in Egypt right now? She's really cool. You should take note of that. So she came back from Egypt. And I started to take notice. Now, just for the record, she's from the Solomon Islands and she's been in Vanuatu for 10 years and she's traveled all over the world in mission and following the Lord and his leading. And that in itself really got my attention because it's not common to find young women who, who are so dedicated to following the Lord that they'll just keep on doing it. Mm. So when you find them, it's a pretty exciting thing. So I started noticing Joyce and realizing that hey, this woman is really, really amazing. So one day in October 2019, we sat down for lunch and I said, look, I'd like to start a relationship with you, if that's all right. I'd like to sort of see if we can't make some romance happen. 
And, and she said yes. That's pretty direct. I, I was. I, I'm not known for being subtle. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I figured there's no point in, in beating around the bush because in a lot of the Pacific Island cultures, if you're seen one-on-one with someone, there's already an assumption that there's a relationship happening. Yeah, yeah. So I knew that she would pray through it. So I said, look, I've been praying. I think this is right. What do you think? And she very quickly said, no, I, I think this is right. Let's let's start doing something. Oh. So we started this relationship, but very quickly we realized that this was a decision and we could choose to fall in love or not to fall in love. And we were going to choose to fall in love because we liked one another and we both had very, very similar goals in life. We both wanted to follow the Lord in mission as far as he leads us, whether that means sailing on a boat across the Pacific or living in central city somewhere. Very long story made short. By the end of the year, her dad had come to visit. He decided that I was all right. Oh, that's good. Um, and in January 2020, I officially asked Joyce to marry me, and we decided to get married that year. So we started in October 2019. By May 2020, we were married. Fantastic. And, and COVID meant that our family wasn't there, but our church family and our, our mission community here in Vanuatu put on this absolutely spectacular day for us. And we married on a white sand beach at a resort here in Port Vila. And then we had this humongous feast that night. We went to bed that night thinking, the Lord is so good to us and so faithful. We don't have our families here, but look at how much he cares. Mm -hmm. He's given us adopted families. Jesus said, actually, that when we leave our homes and our land and our mothers and our fathers and our brothers and our sisters, so much more the Lord will give us in this life and the life to come. Mm -hmm. And if I have one testimony from being in mission in Vanuatu, it's that when we leave behind our family, he provides so much more where we are. And that's true. In Vanuatu, we have this amazing family and this amazing collection of friends, and, and he's given us a place to live, and he never fails to do exactly what he promises. Well, Jared, we began by saying that you were going to go on quite an adventure, and it sounds like you have been on quite an adventure. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you so much for having me. That was Jared Waipori, who joined us from his home in the South Pacific island nation of Vanuatu. It was great to hear how the Lord had been leading him to one big adventure after another. And to think it all began when he decided to step out of his comfort zone and comfortable job to train for ministry overseas. But as we heard, the Lord had blessed his obedience abundantly and he will have plenty of adventurous stories to tell his grandchildren. Well, how about you? Has the Lord been tugging your heart to go on an adventure? And maybe you've been a bit reluctant. Why not step out in faith today? and see what God has in store for you. And who knows, you might even end up going around the world in a ship like Jared. Well, to find out more about Jared and his adventures, you can go to his website, jaredwaipori.com. Once again, that's Jared Waipori, W-A-I-P-O-U-R-I, jaredwaipori.com. Well, thanks for joining us for Jared's Tales of Adventures. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I got in an altercation with somebody when we were working and that ended me up in in jail for murder, which was later reduced to manslaughter. Something that happened in the the spur of the moment just escalated very quick and before I knew what happened, 
he was deceased and yeah, that was the start of a, a whole new chapter. Alan Murray found himself in prison in a dire situation. People were out to get him and there were no places to hide. But after a fellow prisoner fervently prayed for him, things began to turn around. We'll hear his story and some of his music next time. The Story. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. 